Mark chapter 8, verse number 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. They thought it was really about bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets of fragments did you take up? They said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Wow, what a question. You've got Jesus in the boat with the disciples, and he's telling people to beware of the leaven of the religious people, beware of the, of the leaven of Herod, and we're going to talk about those later on in this message. And all of a sudden, the disciples, not thinking spiritually, but just thinking about things that they could see, assumed he was talking about bread. And they were looking around saying, oh my gosh, we're, we've left out on a boat and we don't have any lunch. They thought he was talking about actual bread. And Jesus, at the end of all this, says, how is it that you do not understand? Another passage I want to read real quick, Matthew Chapter 13, one verse is going to be up here on the screen. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. I want to talk about three different leavens today, and we're going to get into those. But before I do, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a piece of the original flame? Do you have a piece of that flame that was passed down over 2,000 years ago at the day of Pentecost? Because if you do and you're like me and you carry this fire inside of you to want to see Jesus spread across the nations, then we are responsible to make sure that that fire of God remains ignited and hot and has a burning effect on our soul, but not just our soul, but in every soul that we come into contact with. You see, the fire of God is still burning and the wind of God is still blowing in spite of the evil that we see around the world. We can turn on the TV, we can read the newspaper, we can watch all the current events and we can see the evil that's going around. But let me tell you something, the flame that was ignited well over 2,000 years ago is still lit today and God is asking his church to be kingdom minded and not worldly minded. God has given his church a mandate. We have the responsibility to raise up a generation that openly displays the raw power of God. We have a nation today that's openly showing many other things. Something the Bible labels as sin. But what we need, it's a commission of purity and power. You see, it's illegal to separate the two. It is not legal scripturally 
to say if we have to have one or the other, we will take purity. Why? Because purity gives credibility to power, and without power, you don't have the gospel. A gospel without the power to change lives is heresy. How do I know that? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And if you look at what a spiritual apostate is, it is a person who has had a spiritual encounter without lifestyle change. We have so many people in America that, that seek the emotion but not the change. They seek the power but not the transformation of their life. When Saul was chasing David to take his life, he sent men one after another to kill David. Instead of killing him, however, they ended up being blessed. Saul said, well, I'll go myself and I'll kill David. When Saul arrived, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon Saul. He was literally arrested by the Holy Spirit. The Bible said Saul began to prophesy. He had a spiritual encounter. The people who saw this said he must be a prophet. Look how God is using him. God has changed his heart. But when Saul woke up the next morning, he still had the same hatred in his heart that he had days before. Why? He had a spiritual encounter but did not experience lifestyle change. This is part of our problem today. We chase after the encounter. We want the encounter. We yearn for the encounter. But if we are not changed and redirected from our old life, we are in apostasy. <clears throat> Amen. However, I believe that there is a rising remnant today that is becoming a fresh voice of hope of healing, transformation, and outpouring. You see, so many people want change without changing. They want promise without process of power, without purity. I'm telling you, but there is a group of people rising up, and I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. And I want to be a part of the change because when the Lord comes and he's had enough and his clock ends and he says, I'm coming to get my children, I'm going with them. I'm going with them. I'm not going to be left behind. So to do that, I cannot be like the religious folk. I can't be like Herod. I must be kingdom minded. Well, what's that look like? The Bible talks about three different leavens. The leaven of the religious people, Herod, and of the kingdom. Three influences in this world. An atheistic influence, a religious influence, and a kingdom influence. They affect how you and I think. Two of them are ways of the world, and one is the one that we should have. So let's start there with the leaven of the kingdom. What does it mean to be kingdom-minded? Jesus came with the most profound announcement possible when he said repent. This means simply to change your way of how you think. Weeping at the altar is not the change. It is a result of the change. It is the repentance in your heart. You haven't truly repented until you have changed. Now listen to me. I've seen many people come to the altar and pray, oh, I repent for my sin, and then go back Monday morning doing the same thing they were doing the week before. You haven't repented. You've lied to God. 
Now listen to me. If we're going to be kingdom-minded, then we have to do as what Jesus did when I'm going to do what I say that I will do, right? That's his character. He is always going to come through on his promise because that's who he is. So if I come to the altar of God repenting of my sins, how dare I go back on Monday doing the very same thing that I just repented about? Being kingdom-minded means that I am walking as a new person. The Bible says I'm a new creation. My, the old ways are gone. The new is here. I don't have to live in my past. I don't have to live in my sin. But I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Repent. Repentance requires a redirection. It requires a change. This type of leaven, the kingdom of heaven, changes the way that you think. God never intended for us to live solely in a natural realm and not be constantly invaded by the spiritual. Jesus made his announcement by saying, change the way that you think. Why? Because Jesus brought his world with him. And it's the answer to every request, every desire, and every passion of your heart. Every need is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Kingdom means king's domain. You see, many want the product of the kingdom. They want the blessings that come with the kingdom. But they don't want to step under the power and the rule of the kingdom. The power of God comes with living life His way. Everything that we face in life is an issue of agreement. Listen, even Satan is empowered by human agreement. Listen to me now. We are delegated power on earth, and as we come in agreement with him, we empower what he suggests in our mind. A person who is completely free of a sin habit can see that sin habit resurrected by, received, by, by, by receiving accusation, shame, and guilt, and all that the enemy can throw at them. And let me tell you something, guilt and shame is a powerful weapon. And it's something that's hard to overcome when you don't feel like you're clean enough. When you don't feel like you're good enough. When you don't think that you'll ever get right. It's a lie that the enemy has put in your head. That's not what Jesus is about. He's about sanctification. He's about purity. He's about holiness. And when he says you're clean, you're clean. Amen. It is so vital that we recognize what comes from heaven and what comes from hell. We can't have the things of God without God. It's vital because there is a war going on in our minds for agreement. Miracles happen through agreement. We are not sitting here biding time with just space. We're, we're supposed to be here to transform our world and usher in the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Um, Genesis chapter 1 says to endue the earth. It was reaffirmed in Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission. This is our job. It's our responsibility. We are to take the kingdom message to the world so that the world will know that this kingdom is within their reach. Satan came, the Bible says, to steal, to kill, and to destroy according to John chapter 10. But did you know that those issues are reversed when the kingdom of God comes? Amen. Satan isn't just empowered by our um, agreement, but he's also attracted by human agreement. You see, the disciples get into the boat because Jesus told them to. As they get in and on their way, he tells them to be careful of the leaven of the religious people and the leaven of Herod. 
Leaven is defined by outside influences on your mind, on how you think. And this is vital because a stronghold exists in the thoughts of a person's life, both the believer and the non-believer. Paul taught us this when he exhorted us to take every thought captive. Why? Because strongholds exist in the mind of a person's life. I could be completely free of 99% of the all areas of my life and have one that attracts the demonic world and makes supernatural what started as natural sin. You see, one of the names for Satan means Lord of the Flies. Just as a fly is attracted to the decay of a dead carcass, so is Satan attracted to the deadness that sometimes people have in their heart. When there is sin in your heart, it is like a decay that attracts that spirit. It comes in the forms of um, hatred, of a jealousy, shame, Anchor, being bitter. It attracts the enemy and, and, and to take from, from, from this natural thing and it turns it into a supernatural. James said in James chapter 3, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Huh. That is why such things as holding grudges against somebody doesn't hurt the person you're holding it against. It hurts you. Because it attracts the demonic world to where we are. Proverbs, right? It says that they would come to a city and tear down strongholds in which they trust. What I trust in other than God reveals the stronghold to the enemy. If you want to know the strongholds of what you might face, just look to what you turn to when you need, in a, when, when you need to just get away. What's that thing that we, that we go to when we need and just an escape of our mind? Is it the things of God or is it the things of this world? Because I'm telling you, if it's the things of this world, we better get a grip on it. Because it is a stronghold in our life. Jesus gets on the boat. He says, guys, be careful of the leaven of the religious and the leaven of Herod. Imagine their looks and gazes at each other, not having a clue what they think Jesus is talking about. And so you've got all the disciples. Well, John, did you bring the bread? Well, no, did you? Judas, did you bring the bread? No, I didn't bring the bread. Man, Jesus is asking for lunch and we don't have any. That's what they thought in that moment. And nobody brought the bread and they realized they don't have enough food to get them across to the other side. And Jesus says, guys... I'm not talking about actual bread here. So Jesus comes to their level and said, hey, pretend for a moment we were talking about bread, okay? Do you not remember the 5,000? People showed up, no food. How many loaves did we have? Now when Jesus asked the question, he, he already knows the answer, right? So, how many loaves did, did we have? Well, five. Well, how, how, how many were left? Twelve. Now, didn't we feed 4,000 one time too? Well, yeah. How many did we start with? Seven. How many did we end with? Seven. Jesus is drawing a mental chart in their mind of what he's really done. So, so let's see. We, when, when we started with less... We feed more people and have more left over. Now, what were you worried about again? 
That's, that, that is essentially what's going on here. He said, what are you worried, worried about? Listen, being kingdom-minded, the leaven of heaven, the leaven of the kingdom gives you a reference point with God. When God does a miracle in your life, He doesn't expect us to not remember anymore. He expects us to, to go back and remember everything. How many in this place has ever, has ever received a miracle? You could say beyond a shadow of a doubt. I see hands going, do you not remember every detail? Do you not remember every single thing? You might even know the date and time. Why? Because that's your reference point with God. Whenever trials come up that you don't understand, whenever things come up that are out of your control and it gets you down and out, you're confused, don't know what to do, he says go back to your reference point and remember what I've done for you before because if I've done it then, I can do it now. Amen. Come on, somebody. It gives you a reference point. When we moved to Loxley and I got sick, less. Uh, I lost 62 pounds in less than one month. I wish I could do that again. Not, un, not under the same circumstances, but... I had a disease that spread from my liver to my lungs. My diaphragm, my right diaphragm is still to this day completely paralyzed. The doctor said I'd never be able to sing. He said I'd never play my horn again. I don't have enough lung capacity in order to make it work. I lost 20% of my right lung. I was born with a 20% larger lung than what any normal child had. Don't you think God knew from the beginning what he was doing? Don't you think God understands what we go through? Don't you think he hears your prayer? Listen, I spent nights in that room Asking if I would ever be healed. I spent nights crying myself to sleep, Seth, because I didn't know if I was going to wake up the next day. Dreams that I have had, passions that I have that I wanted to fulfill before I died. Now wasn't even sure if any of that was ever going to happen again. There was one night in particular, my dad tells the story, that he heard the Spirit speak to him. I want you to dance. Well, God, I'm not much of a dancer. <laughs> he said, I need you to dance and I need you to shout. We're in a hospital room now. Everybody's going to hear me. He said, do it. So at about midnight that night, he closed the door to my room, locked it so nobody else would walk in on him. And he began to dance and he began to shout. And he began to praise God for my healing. Do you know that I didn't wake up that next morning healed? And if you're not careful, doubt can enter your mind. Did I really hear you, God? Stand if you're kingdom-minded. I just need you to do what I say and trust me. Okay. Little did we know God was working behind the scenes. The next day, something began to change. And then something else began to change. And then something else began to change. And then my appetite came back. And then my temperature went away. And then the disease was all of a sudden gone. And then I had discharge papers ready to go home. 
All because of a single act of obedience to say, hey, I've got to listen to God and do what He says. Because a kingdom-minded person doesn't wait on the world to tell them what to do. A kingdom-minded person gets on their knees in prayer, hears from God, seeks heaven, and when he hears, he obeys, and he does what the Lord says for him to do. That's what a kingdom-minded person does. They ran out of food one day, and Jesus tells them to put them in groups and began to distribute what they have. You see, you can't give what you don't have, right? Only what you do have. They start giving out what they have and they notice they're not running out of food. Faith lives and draws from the spiritual realm. The disciples have now experienced this twice and Jesus, without being rude to them, simply reminds them that actual bread is not the problem. It's not the bread, it's a mindset. Don't forget what he said. Don't forget what Jesus said. Too many times, I don't know why, but it's not my notes, but it's for somebody today. You've been given a promise. It's not happened. You're upset with God. Why is it not here? Don't forget what he said. Don't forget what he said. Just obey little by little and watch as he works behind the scenes to see that miracle come. Mark chapter 8 verse 17. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Are your hearts still hardened? Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? You see, this type of leaven defeats, it beats the reason of the world. You see, God's trying to change me in the way that I think. I need this desperately in my life, and I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm so much like the disciples here that I'm ashamed of myself sometimes because he asked them, why do you reason that you have no bread? Why, do you, why, why does your reasoning start with what you lack? Why does your reasoning start with what? Jesus asked them a pointed question. He has already displayed to them on previous occasions that there's unlimited resources there for them and they are dwelling on what they don't have because when we dwell on what we lack, we become dependent upon human resources to meet our human needs. Kingdom thinking is different. It lives on the awareness that anything is possible at any given time. Do we have the present reality that anything is possible? God is ready right now to invade on his people. A latter day outpouring of his spirit. And all he needs from us is an open heart and open hands to receive. Satan has no power until he gets us to agree. Jesus has the power regardless. Satan had no power into the Garden of Eden until Adam and Eve agreed with his logic. Agreement empowered him. God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. There were, there was, was there an argument with that? No. Did, any, did, any, did, did anybody stand up and object to that? No. No, darkness just left and light came in. 
God had no doubt that there would be light. In the previous chapter here, Mark chapter 7, it says, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. You see, when we resort to our uh, tradition over God-inspired word, we pull the plug on God's power in the now. <laughs> tradition supersedes revelation when, it, when, when God's word is neglected. See 2 see Kings chapter 22. Tradition isn't necessarily an evil thing. It's just yesterday's word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. Hearing, not heard. It doesn't come by what's already happened. It comes by what you're hearing in the now. Faith is born when we're in agreement with his word. Listen to me. Your history with God sets a standard of living for the child of God. Why do you reason that you have no bread was the question that was asked. How did you get there from what you have experienced with me? Your history should have set the standard. You see, one of the dangers of seeing miracles is that, is that our own self-reacquirement is raised. We think that if God healed the dead here, that he should do it here too. And let me tell you something, God is sovereign, which means whatever God wants to do, that's what God does. It's not up to me to decide what he does. I just obey and walk in the plan God has for my life. And I'm in agreement with him. Amen. The inability to see what Jesus was really talking about is linked to their hardness of heart. Why do you reason that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? Too often we sit here without a realization of what's really going on. The presence of God here is powerful enough to raise the dead. We can't be blind to the fact that this God we serve is all-powerful and all-knowing. That He knows all and He sees all. And that He's ordering our steps. Everything begins and ends with Him. We just need to be aware of it. And be aware that God is in control you see faith rises when we realize that we don't walk alone you see the holy spirit is in me for my sake but he is upon me for yours i'm not sure that we realize that the holy spirit is something that we can give away to others remember jesus said in matthew 10 when you come into a house so so it says to salute it and if it is worthy let your peace come upon it what was he talking about he is talking about the release of presence. When the woman with the issue of blood touched him, he said that literally power left his body. There is a release of his presence that when, the, the, when she touched the hem of his garment, instantly she was healed. That is what God has done for us. He has sent His Holy Spirit down so that that power that can raise the dead lives in us. That power just needs to be activated. That we have the power of the laying on of the hands to see sick people healed in the name of Jesus. Your history was supposed to teach them, their history was supposed to teach them what nobody else could see. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? There's a boat and there's no bread in the boat. And he says, you guys have eyes. Can't you see what's really going on? You guys have ears. Can't you hear it? Do you really not know they have this deer in the head like, look, like, I don't know what's going on, Jesus. Why don't you explain it to me? Why were they expected to see? It's because of the history they had with God. You see, when God has already been so good to me, 
Why do I ever have a reason to doubt him again? You know, let, let me just talk to you. And, and I get it, okay? It's easier said than done. I get it. But when God has already provided a miracle for almost everybody in this room, okay, I saw hands go up all over. God has already done something in your life. So why do we have a right to doubt if we know what God is already capable of doing? Jesus says, all right, you can't see it. You can't hear it. Let's, let's lower your responsibility here. Can, can you at least hear the promise that I have given you? You can't do that. Okay, can you not remember? Then he reminds him of the loaves and the fish. Remember what God has done. All that God, look, he's trying to take them back to their reference point. A kingdom-minded person never doubts the power of God. A kingdom-minded person doesn't put God in a box and says, well, I know he's only capable of this and I've got to have no. He can do all things. Be kingdom-minded. But this passage, real quick, talks about two other leavens as well, the leaven of Herod. This leaven is a thought process that eliminates God as a possible solution. The leaven of the religious people and the leaven of Herod are thought patterns and influences in our minds. One, one of the things that you learn early when you cook and when you bake is that heat activates leaven. The heat in our life activates whatever leaven we have been living under it brings to the surface whatever influence you have been under you cannot feed yourself with garbage and see anything else but garbage come out it's the heat of trials and circumstances that cause that leaven to be activated we live in a time of crisis right now we live in a time where our world is upside down. They don't know right from right and left from left. They, they, they call good evil and evil good. We, we live in a time right, right now where it's just nasty. But can I say, it's an honor to live during this time. And let me explain why. Because there is great opportunity for the church to shine a light on all the dark places and bring about the salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen. This leaven, the leaven of Herod, makes man its idol. The leaven of Herod, Herod's leaven says you're in the boat without any bread, so next time just make sure you have bread. You are basically the answer to the problems that arise in your life. You don't think about bringing God into the situation. Why? Because Herod's leaven causes us to think that we are self-made and we have no bread just because we didn't bring any. So next time I'll just be more responsible and just do it myself. Let me, let me tell you something. You can't go into a situation thinking that you have the answer for it. You don't have the answer for it. It... The answer is inside this book when it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. That's all the truth that you need to know to trust God and all things will work out. The leaven of Herod says I can do it myself. Well the leaven of uh, the religious people offers explanations without 
solutions. The leaven of the religious people is that of having God in form but not of power. They approach the boat deal by saying, well, God in his sovereignty has arranged for you to be in this boat without any bread so you can, um, so you can choose to be like those who have no bread during, during, during this hour. They would say something, and you too in the sovereignty of God have no bread so you could better understand what it, what it means to suffer and to lack. You see, this leaven of knowledge has no experience with God. They have no encounter with God. They know everything there is to know about it, but there's not an experience at the altar. Let me tell you something. It's not just about reading and knowing every single word. It's about taking what you know and coming down to the altar and letting the God that loves you so transform your life. We need a spiritual encounter with Him. So let me encourage you with this question. After Jesus got done telling them, all he wanted to tell them to teach him a lesson on what it meant to be kingdom-minded. He asked them a question that didn't need to be answered. He was asking it to just make a point. When you doubt if your God will ever come through for you, when you have a lapse in judgment and you question God on if he ever listened to your cry, when you just aren't sure after everything you have experienced, if he's still the same, Mark chapter 8 verse 21, he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Almost to say, how can you not know that I love you? How do you not know that I'm that God that, that will do what I said I would do? Don't believe in your own methods and eliminate God. Don't just seek the understanding without the experience. And to reverse that, don't seek the experience without knowing what the Word says. I can remember my sophomore year of high school. It is one I will never forget. Literally looking at mom and dad in the face and telling them, I don't want to live anymore. I've got too much pain. I don't want to go through this. I'm done. I remember hearing the doctor tell them, we don't know what this is. And we don't have hope to give you to ever letting you know what this is. I was tested for everything under the book. From strep to AIDS, you name it. I was tested for it. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. And I remember laying in that bed helpless. With unimaginable pain. 
asking God, are you really there? Can you hear me? And looking back on it 20 years ago, how is it I don't understand how good God has been to me? Do I still question? I do. I'm human. Do I still have my doubts at times? I do. I'm human. But every once in a while, Jesus has to give me a kick in my butt. And he says, Chris, how is it? Do you not understand? Let me take you back and tell you the stories about the bread. Let, let, let me go back to, to 2008. And remind you what I did. Let me take you back through every instance in your life where you asked me to come through and I was there. How is it that you still don't understand? I want to pray for you today, right where you are. There's people that are going through stuff that are, that's unimaginable. I never thought my first pastorate would be in the last two years of turmoil that we've been within the United States. But God is good. <laughs> and I want to pray for you and ask that you're not like the leaven of Herod or even the religious folk but you say, I want to be kingdom minded. I know this is true. Paula, I know every single word in this book is true. It is God ordained. It is a sword that will pierce through any trial that I'll ever face. All I've got to do is open it up and read its content. And no matter what trial I face, I know that I'm going to be okay. Because if God's done it once, then He can do it again. Would you pray with me today? God, for everybody watching online today, for everybody inside the building, God, I pray for healing over their body. I pray for a remembrance of everything that you've done for us. God, I pray that you would strengthen our spirit so that we can face literally any trial that we come to. God, the past two years, this past week has been difficult on me. But God, you have lifted up my spirit in such a way that I will not back down. I will not give up. I will press towards the mark. 
I will press on. I will run my race until I have crossed the end line. So God, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, just come and inhabit the praises of your people. And it's your mighty, precious name. Amen. And amen. Be encouraged that the God you serve has gone to fight your battle before you ever knew that it existed. And he'll work it out for your good. If you would stand one last time, the ushers are going to meet you at the doors as we leave to give of our tithes and offering. I want to remind you once more that after church today, there will be an email sent out regarding the link to the meal train to sign up to provide something for um, Daniel and Jew and the birth of their precious baby boy, Cohen. I hope you're blessed. I want you to know that I love you that I'm praying for you and don't hesitate to reach out if you ever need anything would you pray with me God I thank you for this time today I thank you for your word God I ask you Lord to bless our tithes and offering as we leave this place today God multiply it in the life of the giver and that of the church God we thank you and we praise you and it's in your precious name I pray and everybody said amen and amen you are dismissed this morning